everyone. How are you doing? You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. You're, uh, we are broadcasting live from UBC's Pornkir campus on the unceded, ancestral, and traditional Muskim territory, colonially known as Vancouver. I am your host, Sarah Unju, and I have a wonderful show for you today. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off with a pre-recorded interview that Lua did with Thilon Thieland Kiknosway about the Coastal Dance Festival. Unfortunately, the Coastal Dance Festival has ended. It was April 20th to 24th. But <laughs> if you follow us on social media, you should have seen that we posted this interview on our SoundCloud. So you were able to listen to the interview um, before the festival ended and have some idea, <laughs> you know, um, about what it is, how it's doing, uh, what the festival is. Um, and... But we still want to play it to you so that you still have some more information on the Coastal Dance Festival and you'll get to, um, you know, keep an eye out for next year. Uh, before we listen to the interview, I'm going to quickly tell you about Bad Parent. So the coach <laughs> was supposed to present a play called The Bad, pa Bad Parent which is about Nora and Charles. Nora played by Josette Yorgi and Charles played by Raugi Yu. They're trying to parent a toddler while figuring out who they are in relation to their son, each other, and the audience. Because many parents face the challenges of raising children while feeling that, like they're being watched. So what does it feel like to have an actual audience as you go through this pretty tough, vulnerable and rough time in your life. So the cult, as I said, was supposed to present this. Unfortunately, due to cast members uh, getting COVID, um, it has been postponed twice, and now it will be presented within the next season. So if you have tickets already, you can hold on to your tickets and stay tuned for the new show dates for Bad Parent in the next season. Alternatively, you can also request that your ticket can be moved to the cult's next production, which is Catalyst Theater's The Invisible, Agents of Ungentlemanly Warfare, which is playing April 29th to May 7th at the York. You can reach out to box office at thecult.com or call 604-251-1363 for other options, such as credit on account, gift certificate, donation, or refund. <laughs> And yeah, with that, let's get into uh, this interview and I'll be back afterwards. So enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Lua and today I'm going to be talking to you guys a little bit more about the Coastal Dance Festival. Uh, the Coastal Dance Festival is celebrating its 15th anniversary returning to in-person performances this year at the Enville Center from April 20th to 24th. Uh, but you might be wondering, what is the Coastal Dance Festival? So this is a festival that is an iconic reflection of the strength, beauty, and resilience of the Indigenous peoples of Vancouver and the Northwest Coast. And this year's festival is featuring a number of brand new elements, including signature evening performances dedicated solely to contemporary dance, as well as artist sharing series, where artists will share about their art, practice, sources of inspiration, and culture. Um, the Coastal Dance Festival is part of Canada's year-long Nordic Bridges Initiative, and it will welcome five Indigenous Sami artists from Norway and Sweden, including contemporary dancers, traditional singers and poets, and even an aerialist acrobat, as well as obviously Indigenous artists from across Canada and the US. So it really will be a little bit of everything from all over the world celebrating Indigenous cultures in a variety of different ways. Uh, this year, the festival will be welcoming 15 Indigenous groups from throughout British Columbia, Washington, Alaska, the Yukon, and Ontario, with new and returning performances. So, if you already know what the Coastal Dance Festival is, and you've seen it, you've attended it before, and you love the Chinook Song Catchers, uh, the Squamish Bass Spakwasolem, or the Mask Dancing Group Git Hayateski, in the past, you will have a chance to watch them again this year. Uh, and so I actually did have the wonderful opportunities to sit down 
and talk to the Potawatomian Cree uh, hoop dancer and youth ac- activist Thielen Kiknoswe uh, to talk a little bit more about his performance this year and what it means to be part of the festival. Uh, so yeah, that's what you're going to be listening to. I hope you enjoy. Well, hello everyone. I'm Lua and I'm here with the Arts Report and I'm here with the hoop dancer and youth activist Thielen Kiknoswe. Um, hi Thielen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Lua? I'm great too. It's uh, 11 a.m. in Vancouver, but you're right now, you're in Ontario, right? That's correct. Yeah, it's currently 2 p.m. here. How's how's the weather treating you there? <laughs> it's a little rainy out today. I can't, can't lie, but uh, beautiful day nonetheless. <laughs> That's great to hear. And so, Thielen, you're going to be part of uh, the Coastal Dance Festival happening in Vancouver from April 20th to 24th. So, literally starting um, very soon. Um, and you are a hoop dancer. And so for people that might not be familiar with what hoop dancing is, can you describe what hoop dancing is? Yeah, so hoop dancing is a storytelling dance and also a healing dance. And it comes back from the Hopi people and the Hopi nation down in uh, southwestern United States of Arizona. And they would use this dance to bring different creatures, uh, create different formations and designs and bring them to life. So through the hoop dancers storytelling by weaving the hoops together, we are essentially doing our best to bring these different images and creatures of animals and plants to life. So when people can watch the hoop dance, uh, they'll notice a lot of different designs being created. And I think the beauty of this dance is one person may see an image of a hawk, another person may see an image of an eagle, and another person may see an image of a butterfly. And I think that's a beauty that it really shows us is we are all unique in our own ways because we all have our own different imaginations to create the different stories that I'm trying to portray. So uh, that's what I really love about the hoop dance is we all get to imagine and create our own story through the hoop dance that's that's really cool um i've watched some hoop dancing but i don't think i ever had that more in-depth background so thank you so much for that um yeah and so do you already have the choreo prepared or is it more a free-flowing dance so it's definitely a free-flowing dance um a lot of the moves that people can see uh, are moves that have been created throughout the hoop dancing's history. And they're definitely definitely different moves that I've learned along the way. For myself, I do have a routine that I feel pretty comfortable um, performing. And it's something that I have been working on to better as best as I can throughout the years of my hoop dance journey. So um, yeah, I, I guess I've just, I've tried my best to continue with the dance and, and continuously improve and add different formations to my style. Um, but yeah, I, I have a uh, basically almost a set routine that I like to alter every performance. Every performance is not gonna be the same. So yeah, again, that adds to its uniqueness of, of, of what it is. Yeah, that's really cool. And so um, your activism started at a very early age when in grade three, you wrote a letter to your school explaining why an annual powwow would be an excellent teaching opportunity for the school and your community. And obviously this activism has continued and here you are coming to Vancouver to perform at the Coastal Dance Festival. And I was wondering what has shaped your experience as a performance and what does dance mean to you? Dance is my way of healing. Dance is my own medicine in its way and dancing has 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 been a part of my life for forever basically dancing has been a part of me it is who i am and i i mean that literally because that goes back to our teachings as indigenous peoples um when our life givers feel the kicks in their womb those are our baby's first dance moves before they're even in the physical world so for myself to have continued on that dancing journey um, is really special and something that I am very grateful for. So every time I get the chance to, I use my abilities of dancing to inspire others as best as I can. 
So dancing is is my way of, of giving back to my ancestors, to my people, and to feed my, my own spirit and, and my heart. So it feels good. That's really beautiful. And how are you feeling about being um, one of the younger performers coming to this international festival? It feels really, um, it feels great. It, it feels like people are embracing the the love towards our youth and to be able to rec recognize that our youth and our children hold so much power in them that they that they are allowed to have a voice and allowed to have a say in different things i think it's really remarkable and quite quite special that this is happening and so i'm glad i'm able to represent my family and my nations at the coastal dance festival this year and I'm really happy that we're able to make this happen. And I'm very much looking forward to participating and learning so much and also giving back in my own way through the ability of the hoop dance. That sounds really awesome. And so other than performing, are you, do you have any other involvement in the festival this year? Um, I'm, I was, I was, I was told that there would be other, uh, other amazing performances that I could go watch. So I'm hoping that I can definitely take in a couple of amazing acts to go see, go watch, and hopefully learn some more from, you know, the more, you know, about the beautiful things that are also out there in, in life and, and hopefully learn from the performances that will be happening. So I'm, I'm definitely looking, looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Coastal Dance Festival is bringing 15 Indigenous groups from throughout British Columbia, Washington, Alaska, the Yukon, and Ontario. And honestly, it's such a great celebration of um, Indigenous cultures um, throughout Vancouver and the Northwest Coast. And it's just really great to see not only very experienced performance, but youth performances like yourself uh, coming and presenting your culture like this. Um, and so I wanted to ask you as well, like, what do you think is the importance of a festival like this for the youth? I believe that this festival is an engaging pathway for everyone to come together and enjoy the beauty of, of life and the beauty of our different dances, our performances, and our way of life. And it's something that I have been looking forward to for quite some time now, and I encourage everyone to come and check it out, to come and pop it in and, and see the festival for your, for, your, for your own eyes and for your mind and for your heart. And it'll definitely be, it'll definitely be um, rejuvenation of the spirit is, is what I think. And it'll be really good for the heart to, to be at this, this, this beautiful festival that's being, uh, being taken, taken part of. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, and so what should people expect from your from your performance? So for my performance, I am sharing the hoop dance. Um, when I was about seven years old, I believe, I had a dream of dancing in the rainbow. And so I thought quite literally that meant putting rainbow colored hoops together. Little did I know that a couple of years later, I would be tagged on a Facebook post where um, there was this lady with LED glow-in-the-dark hoops. And I knew that from that moment, that was the rainbow I was looking for. So a couple months later, these hoops came in the mail. I opened them, I opened them up and I've been dancing with them ever since. So for the festival this year, I'll be showcasing my version of the hoop dance with an indigenous and contemporary twist of the glow in the dark LED hoops. So I'm really looking forward to it. And it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be spectacular. <laughs> that is really cool. Like I'm actually, I was already excited, but now I'm super excited. Um, I love that, that combination for you and like, um, yeah, joining a contemporary with uh, more traditional approaches. And so uh, as we're nearing the end of our interview, is there anything you would like to uh, say or put out there for people that are listening to us right now? Please come and check out the festival this year. 
it is going to be amazing and it's definitely an experience that you'll remember forever i know i'm definitely going to remember this for the longest of times and i i just can't wait to put on a show i can't wait to be a part of it and it's something that i've been looking forward to it for a long time and uh yeah i can't wait to see who who all comes out so i'm um, yeah thank you very much Awesome. Thank you so much. It was lovely talking to you. Um, I hope you have a great time at the festival. Um, yeah. Have a lovely, lovely day. Thank you. You as well. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that interview. We're going to quickly go into an Adam PSA break. And after the break, we'll be back with Cecilia's review of White Noise and so much more. So, okay. See you in a few. Discorder Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theater, Discorder lives. Your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theater. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at rickshawtheater.com. creative outlet how on earth can i channel everything that's inside of me you know you can do that at citr and discorder right pardon me yeah you can illustrate for discorder magazine or take photographs of events and artists and they can teach you how to use photoshop in their media lab that is so exhilarating it fills my soul with lightning yeah just email volunteer at citr.ca and they can help you get started or just come into the station whenever i wouldn't miss it for the world Welcome back. Hi. Um, just to remind you, before the Adam PSA break, you heard Lua's interview about uh, with Thailand Kicknosway Kick about the Coastal Dance Festival. Even though the Coastal F Dance Festival has ended for the year, it will be happening next year, hopefully. So keep an eye out for that. And also. Um, check out our social media because we did upload that interview to SoundCloud before the festival ended to give people an opportunity to listen to it and learn more about the festival and get tickets for it and watch the event perform. So our Instagram is ArtSupportCITR and our Twitter is CITR underscore ArtSupport. So check us out. Um, and with that, hello, Cecilia. Hi. Thank you for coming in today. Yes. Good to see you. And so you'll be talking about white noise. Right. I'll just leave it to you. Take it away. Okay. Um, so last Wednesday, which was April 20th, I saw the show White Noise by Taryn Kutenhayu, and it's a comedy about two families who have dinner together for the first time during Truth and Reconciliation Week. Mm -hmm. And the show just tells us about like what it means to live in Canada as First Nations, dealing with internalized racism. Um, and before we get into the show, there was land acknowledgement and a protocol performed through singing, which I thought to be really meaningful because Usually land acknowledgements are just spoken through words, but mm -hmm. yeah, it was like really um, different than other sh typical land acknowledgements and other shows. So that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so the story is like basically about the First Nations family moving into a new neighborhood mm -hmm. and their neighbors are the white family. So they invite... Uh, I should have said spoiler alert, maybe. Well, oh, this is yeah, just yeah. <laughs> okay, so just to let everyone know, uh, White Noise is running until May 1st at right. the Fire Hall Arts Center. And the, uh, Cecilia's review includes spoilers, so listen at your own risk. Just a little bit of spoiler, I guess. <laughs> Light yeah. spoilers. Yeah, just like cover your ears if needed. <laughs> so, anyways. The First Nations family are welcomed by the white family. They're invited over dinner. So they have a conversation, and the white family just constantly make racist comments, but unconsciously, and they're just not aware of what they say at first. 
but then the talk becomes sarcastic and heat ups, turns into a fight eventually. But of course, I'm not gonna like mention the the lines because like that's like a huge spoiler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Personally, it was really striking when the First Nations family said that having dinner together with them is not doing a favor. It would be being nice personally, but mm-hmm. that does not reconcile the truth and collective powers needed. Yeah. So speaking of collective power, again, a little spoiler alert. Um, the daughter of the White family is an influencer in the place, and she's the only one in her family who's aware of racial discrimination mm-hmm. and the Canada's residential schools and all of what that happened. Mm-hmm. So... In the end, she contributes to raising the awareness of these issues. So this is the moment where I thought that social media like, and media representation could really affect people a lot and mm-hmm. possess great power on them. Yeah. So it's important that they use it for good causes and be aware of what they're saying or doing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um. And especially there was a scene where the sound of the blender muted the daughter's voice while mm-hmm. she was talking about what she learned during Truth and Reconciliation Week, which I think, I believe, to be intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, like, again, like, emphasized the collective power that we need. And, of course, not saying that, like, individuals, um, like, what individuals do aren't important, but then, again, it's uh, less effective than when people, like, are raising their voices all together and Mm -hmm. do it things collectively yeah so i guess like that is pretty much end of spoiler i guess (laughs) 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 and (laughs) yeah overall it was like really thought provoking Mm -hmm. it was enjoyable of course because it's a comedy in the first place yeah but it also carried a deep deeper meaning yeah which makes the play more intriguing and also powerful and it also reminds us to constantly pay attention to the voice of indigenous people and find ways to help solve the unresolved um because it's a fact and uh, it's the fact that we might not want to face but the government is not taking any proper measures to address these issues and Mm -hmm. just not taxing them and just setting them an area to live in is just not enough because like the land was colonized in the first place and that's just like the ugly truth to be honest yeah and just one more thing i did some further research on terms to avoid According to Queen's University Office of Indigenous Initiative, so which are Native, our Native people, Native Canadian, Indigenous Canadian, Aboriginal, and Indian. So these are the words that you should avoid because yes. they aren't, aren't correct or carry negative connotations. And most importantly, Indigenous people do not consider themselves as Canadian. Yeah. And they have been on these lands thousands of years before Canada become a nation. And I think it's like really important to use kind of correct terms such as First Nations and Indigenous people. So yeah, yeah. Agreed. Um. Anyways, back on track. <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend this play to everyone, as we are all living in unceded, colonized territories mm-hmm. of in Canada, and uh, yeah. It really makes us rethink about like where we live, what happened in the past, mm-hmm. and what's like still going on, but hasn't really been ish- addressed properly. So, I highly recommend it yeah. to everyone. That's good. Yeah. To know. And as Sarah mentioned already, the show White Noise runs till May first at Firehall Arts Center. And all tickets are pay what you can from anywhere between $15 to $35 at Firehall Arts Center website. Wonderful. Yay. And the website, very self-explanatory, it's firehallartscenter.ca. And you can just find it from the What's On uh, section. And yeah, it's it's always interesting when you see plays that are, you know, like, 
comedies you go in thinking oh it'll be a blast i'm gonna leave like laughing a lot and thinking about how much i laughed and then you end up like thinking so much about like deeper things and um actually leave with like questions in your mind or more thoughts in your mind than you went in with i think comedy is like a great outlet to to do that without um like making it too much for the people yeah because it can be a little you know some people might get uh depending on the person some people might get bored or it might be too much for them to handle it can be overwhelming so I feel like you know it's it's a it's a good way to do that and honestly I didn't know anything about white noise before you <laughs> talked about it and when you at first you were like oh it's a comedy I'm like oh okay like this is gonna be a fun room and then you were talking about like the premise I'm like oh it's that type of comedy right it, I guess like in a way that it criticizes the reality it could be said as black comedy and like yeah. it's like really hilarious but also at the same time it makes you go like oof yeah yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think um Lua did a review a while back um that was very similar. They took on um issues about like uh indigenous indigenous people's uh lands being stolen and you know taking the land back and stuff like that, but it was also a comedy. Mm-hmm. And I'm honestly glad that like, you know, even though a lot of people talk about these issues, it doesn't get um it may not approach as many people as you might think it does. Right. And so I feel like like theater is a good way to <laughs> right. to expand on that, right? Yeah, right. Um, it's just like at, in the form of a comedy, uh, you can laugh, but then and you can laugh, you can enjoy, but then you kind of um, get that like backfired feeling when it really um, hits those like, lines where it kind of like aware like um tells you like tells you like whatever like in this case like how serious Mm -hmm. the indigenous communities like not being treated properly so yeah it's like a really nice way to um learn more about it um be like raise your awareness about it and i would say like this is like the very first step like you can take yeah like show interest in it yeah agreed and just to remind everyone the show is white noise on stage until may 1st at the fire hall arts center uh thank you so much cecilia for your review we're gonna quickly listen to lua's review of the film edge of the night edge of the knife and it 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 was released in 2018, and they had a free screening at the Cinematheque on April 20th at 7 p.m. The Cinematheque does free screenings all the time. You can expand on your, you know, like your movie knowledge to besides to what is on Netflix or Disney Plus. So it's it's pretty amazing. But yeah, so we'll listen to Lua's review. Go to an Adam PSA break and afterwards we'll be right back. So enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Lua and today I decided to record this from outside because it's a beautiful day. Uh, Hopefully the sound quality is pretty good still. So today I'm going to be talking about The Edge of the Knife, which is a one of its kind, one of a kind film really. But before I talk about the actual movie, I want to talk about why I want to see The Edward Knife, which is a movie that came out in 2018, um, at theaters when it was, you know, it came out like four years ago. Uh, why, why now? And it's because 420, yes, 420, you heard that right, April 20th, um, is the National Canadian Film Day. Because of that, the Cinematheque, along with other um, movie theaters across Canada, created this campaign to showcase Canadian movies for free on that day. So you might have missed it this year, which is no worries. There's always next year. And I'm sure it's going to be something that's going to happen again. And it's something that is not only happening in Vancouver, but anywhere across Canada, which is pretty cool. And it's a really great way to celebrate Canadian films. And with that, let's start talking about The Edge of the Knife. So like I said before, this is a one of a kind film, but hopefully it's actually the first of its kind. This is a film set in Haida Gwaii in the 19th century, 
and it's the first feature film entirely made in the Haida language. And here's the interesting thing. Uh, before this film was made, there are fewer than 20 people that spoke Haida fluently, <laughs> and none of those people were the critical, the principal actors in this movie, which means that every actor in this movie, yes, they're indigenous and yes, they're Haida, however, they didn't speak their language and they went through an intense training process to learn their language. Uh, so not only that this, does this film present indigenous culture, is a Canadian film, presenting that heritage, it also allowed for so much, so many jobs and growth for the Haida community. Um, and it was made in collaboration with the Haida Council, which is just really cool. So uh, right off the bat, the premise of this film and how it was created is just really interesting. But what is this film actually about? So this film adapts a classic Haida tale um, where a man who who is thought to be dead is left in the forest and he becomes a gadi uh, i believe i'm not sure if i pronounced that correctly but i am trying my best uh or some sort of wild man from my interpretation or from what i was able to perceive or understand uh it is almost as if there is like a wildness spirit that overcomes him and he becomes sort of like someone else and all of this happens after an accident where he is separated from his family. He wanders through the forest and he essentially is driven mad by both natural and supernatural forces. Um, where towards the middle slash end, his friends um, and his family try to capture and cure him uh, as he grows intensely feral. It is a very intense film. Um, it's... Yeah, it's a very intense film. It's not exactly, it's not horror or anything like that, but it does play with supernatural elements and it is does have certain moments of um, suspense or at least a lot of building tension. My ultimate takeaway from this film was that I lack the cultural understanding to make sense of a lot of things. And that's on me, that's entirely on me. Um, however, I think it's so important that indigenous cultures are finally being treated as simply a culture that exists and not something to be explained in a movie where there's, it's very clear that when this movie is created, it was created with the assumption that people will just know what's happening. Um, the same way that if someone was to tell the story of Cinderella, someone was to tell, you know, another folktale, um, you would simply know what's happening and there would be already a base expectation set. And so, because I lack that cultural basis, um, I feel that I lacked a lot of the more in-depth comprehension of the film, which does not take away from the film at all. It still has great moments of growing tension. It has great moments of um, family and community and um, just showcasing, just showcasing Haida culture in a very natural manner. And so ultimately, did I enjoy the film? Yes. Was I left a little confused? Also, yes. But then again, that's that's on me. That's not on the filmmakers. It was a very well-made film. Uh, has It has just absolutely gorgeous cinematography with multiple like really close-up shots. Actually, a lot of the film was filmed in really close-up where there was a focus on um, very like gestures and details not necessarily on facial expressions or language or conversation which we see a lot in western movies where essentially the story can be told mostly through the characters talking to each other for this film it was a lot slower in that sense where it was a lot of movement and actually paying attention to gestures and facial expressions and what is going on in nature and that connection between person and uh, nature and the space that they inhabit. Like I said before, this is a film filled with tension, so I would not recommend it for the faint of heart. It does have a few moments of like almost jump scares, um, but it is very beautifully made, and it is such a interesting film for its role not only in showcasing Haida culture, um, being like revitalizing the Haida language and its culture as well and being a vessel for both storytelling 
and this beautiful work of just not leaving indigenous stories behind like they've been left for hundreds of years um I really enjoyed watching this movie, and if you do get a chance to see it in the future, do check it out. It is a really, really interesting movie, and I'm sure if you enjoy film, you enjoy beautiful cinematography, and you want to experience a different cinematographic experience, um, this is definitely the movie for you. Um, And that's that's it for me, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoy that. I hope you get to watch The Edge of Tonight sometime in the future and um, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye! You're listening to CITR 101.9 broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the traditional unceded Coast Salish territory of the Honkameenam speaking Musqueam people. Nisiem, Nisiaya, Thikum Queen Ansep, Hydra CM, Nisiem, Nisiaya, and the Sakhuya to leave Sin, Homasquim, The AIDS Vancouver Helpline is here to help. Open from 9 to 4, Monday to Friday, the Helpline answers questions about HIV and safer sex. Call to find medical support in your area without giving your name. Run by volunteers, the Helpline is one of the many programs from AIDS Vancouver combating the HIV epidemic in the Lower Mainland. While not medical professionals, our volunteers answer your questions confidentially and anonymously. The Helpline number is 604-696-4666 or contact us at aidsvancouver.org. Welcome back. Hi, everyone. Uh, you just heard Lua's review of The Edge of the Knife. And I just wanted to mention um, like two or three more uh, uh, screenings that are happening at the Cinematheque. So today at 7 p.m., they're showing 15 Reasons to Live. It's a Canadian film from 2013. It's by Ellen Zweig. And it's 83 minutes. Um, you can get tickets online at thecinematech.ca. Tomorrow, Thursday at 7 p.m., they're showing La Ventura from uh, Michelangelo Antonioni. It's from, it's Italian, 1960s, 143 minutes, you know, all that, uh, all that jazz. They're showing Le Clis from, again, Antonioni, Red Desert from, wow, a lot of Antonioni movies. Yeah. <laughs> They're showing... For good reason. Yeah. <laughs> Continuous Journey from Ali Kazimi. You know, just go to thecinematech.ca and get some more information on all of these movies that you can watch that you may not be able to find on streaming services or online. Mm-hmm. And it's also so different to watch movies on the big screen rather than on your laptop or on your phone. Um, but yeah, so welcome, Ruby, <laughs> by the way. Thank Ruby you. just came in. Cecilia Hi guys. left. <laughs> yeah, she had something at six, and so here yes. I am. Um, and I'm here. I'm really excited to talk about a show that I saw at the Pacific Theater. Can I can I just jump into it? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. I, was, I was like, did you have more Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I loved it. So it was called How the World Began. It was written by Catherine Treishman. And directed by one of my favorite local directors, Sarah Rogers. She's oh, so great. A wonderful human being. I know. Oh my God. Isn't she great? You know her? She is, yeah. Oh. I've, I had an interview with her last year, and she was just the sweetest. Yeah. yeah. She is so sweet, so smart. She's awesome. I love her. Yeah. Um, all her work is so great. It is. Um, and so I saw this show last weekend, the weekend mm-hmm. before. And basically, uh, it's about this teacher who comes from Brooklyn to I think Kansas um, and to a very religious town and she's very um, like you know she's from Brooklyn Mm -hmm. and she is teaching science and she sort of says something about uh, you know being the world beginning through um, the Big Bang and not through God Mm -hmm. and it sort of erupts into this big problem in the town and she's offended all these people and um, it's just three actors, and, and it's the story of her, uh, a student, and the student's caretaker mm-hmm. trying to figure out this problem. The student wanting her to apologize, her sticking to her guns, 
And it was such an interesting show. First of all, the Pacific Theater isn't in the round. So you can sit at any point in the theater. And I, I felt like the, the staging was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just so beautiful. And it was a classroom. And what was really interesting about the show is I feel like, you know, the audience in Vancouver who would see this show are definitely more um, like intellectually side with the teacher mm-hmm. who believes that, uh, you know, believes in evolution and yeah. doesn't believe that God created the world. Yeah. Um, but the her character was so stubborn and so um, it just had such blinders on mm-hmm. that you really the, your emotion sided with the, the student mm. who was so religious and believed so firmly that the world had begun through through God. God yeah um and that was really really interesting takeaway yeah. because you go in thinking of course i also have this belief about this is that the world began through the big bang and evolution and, and all that but he's and the acting is so fantastic too just the way that the the main actress who is the teacher mm-hmm. the way that she portrays her stubbornness and her inability to be flexible and inability to see the other side um was really interesting because you can see all of their humanity mm-hmm. and and she can't you know what i mean yeah like the boy and his caretaker can see her humanity, but she can't really see theirs. And she's coming at it from such an intellectual perspective. And she's not willing to understand, like, the emotion behind their belief, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So in the town they were in, this huge tornado had just come in and destroyed the town and killed 16 people. And so for her to come into a town in which this tragedy had just happened... And to not have the understanding of, like, how uh, comforting the belief in God would be. Mm-hmm. And and especially during that time um, was also really, like, staggering. You're <laughs> just like, oh, my God, where's your compassion? Yeah. Um, and the acting was fantastic. There was the, the, the guy who played the caretaker. Um, I believe his name was oh, – I'll find it. I'll find it. I have three. The cast was three people? Yeah, Ron Reed. Yeah. And he was so good. He was like he was like a Hollywood actor. And, nice. and, it was, and I mean <laughs> that in the sense that like he he had, you know, his character had an accent like this. Yeah. But it wasn't like kitschy like mine is. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was like so real mm-hmm. and so believable and so just delicious to watch mm-hmm. you know what i mean like every like every cd is it was so fun i don't think i've ever heard someone say delicious to it was watch. delicious to watch <laughs> but he was he was so uh real like mm-hmm. that's what it was like if i were to do it i'd be like hello y'all yeah but he was so so believable mm-hmm. and you could really see his humanity and see his kindness and and how much he wanted to resolve this issue and how hard he was trying mm-hmm. and his pain and all of that the performance was amazing all the performers were so good and also the the performer the actor who played the uh teenager his name oh even Evan Rain, Evan Ryan, um, or Megan Gardner, Evan Evan Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I believe Me- then Megan played the teacher. The teacher, yeah. Evan played the teenager. The teenager and Ron played the kid. And and the teenager, the Evan, Evan's performance as the teenager was so. As someone who was recently a teenager, <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, it was because you know the people who were putting on the show were not recently teenagers. Yes, yeah, but it. It got progressively more teenager, if that makes sense. Like he just in the in the way the intonation of his voice, mm-hmm. his like physical expressions, were so teenager. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that really makes any sense, but I it was <laughs> it was it was so subtle. Yeah. But it was it just added to the performance so much. Yeah, I think I can I understand what you mean because sometimes you know adults in their 30s 40s play like their teenage selves like yeah, on tv or something yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and then you're like yeah they're not they're not doing a, a good job yeah. selling this but then yeah. yeah exactly and and it was and it was also like the wardrobe was so good mm-hmm. um and i think f- like everything worked 
The yeah. directing was awesome. The set was amazing. The acting was so great. But the script really obviously always like holds that together Mm -hmm. and just the way and it's such a specific script like there's three actors yeah it's one set it's over the course of like three days and there's like four long scenes and the whole time there's so much tension there's so much drama that you're never bored even though there's these really really long scenes yeah um and the writer Catherine, she was really able to capture the uh the emotion of both arguments Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like the frustration from the people who believe in you know evolution yeah and then the sort of like and the dismissiveness that they feel Mm -hmm. for people who who are creationists yeah right like that is really what that what she was showing in her writing was just how it's a wave of the hand mm-hmm. of like oh my god you guys think this right and it's like that's actually incredibly disrespectful and maybe like have a conversation yeah. rather than yelling your ideas back and forth and that was really really powerful yeah 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 i feel like the script definitely can make it or break it yeah no matter how good the production itself is yeah. if the script isn't good it's just gonna it's going to feel like something's missing, right? Yeah. And yeah. the fact that the playwright was able mm-hmm. to, you know, show both sides with such a good way. Yeah. yeah, because you might, you know, as someone like who believes in evolution, you can go in there and be like, yeah, like, there's no way I'm going to side with the yeah. kid, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then you, it's done. You're like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> Oh, yeah, completely. Because it gets you with the... And that's where the acting and the directing comes in, right? They get you with the emotions. Like, just on a human-to-human level, you just care for the teenager so much. And you appreciate his calmness and his his rationality in a way where she's, like, too rational. And he's, Mm -hmm. like... And he's coming in and, like, really trying to, like, talk to her. And she's, like, getting really, really frustrated. And you're frustrated with him and you're frustrated with her. And you're just like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but the show is unfortunately closed yeah. now. But I really just wanted to come on and talk about it because it was so powerful. Yeah. And the Pacific Theater always puts on great shows. They do. Sarah Rogers always puts on great <laughs> shows. We love you, Sarah. We love you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> also... As great as Sarah is, let's quickly give a shout out to the rest of the creative team. Set design was by Jessica Ostergo. Lighting design was John Weber. Sound design by Rick Callhoun. Costumes by Stephanie Kong. Props are by Marcus Valiant. Assistant direction by Lurice Campbell. And stage management by Samantha Pauluk. So... um, (laughs) Yeah, shout out to you guys (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh man that sounds great i'm always kind of you know it's always wonderful hearing about these great productions oh my god and then but then i'm like oh but But it's over i can't see it myself i know i saw it on the last very last show Mm. and the only reason that i could is because a thing that i have weekly got canceled and i was so happy i was was so happy that i that i got to go see it because my parents had actually seen it and they loved it Mm -hmm. like they couldn't stop talking about it and they told me that between the two of them the whole ride home they were discussing it it stayed with them the next day yeah and so i mean that is really uh, like that is a reason to go see something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh, it was so cute. It made me feel so good. It was like, if, if they're still thinking about it the next day, that's a show you have to go yeah, see. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's good when you're, you know, talking about it, when you're able to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, which, I don't know. This is very off topic, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it bring just, it, bring it on, Sarah. It just reminded me <laughs> of something, okay? And it is art related. So technically, this okay. counts. I believe you. Let's hear it. <laughs> um, you must have heard of Rent, the musical. Um, yes. Uh, the person who wrote it, Jonathan, uh, Larson. Jonathan Larson, exactly. So he. 
um, before he wrote Tick, Tick, Boom, he was working on this musical for like seven years called Superbia. Yes. I also saw and Tick, Tick, Boom, so I also yes, remember this. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it a wonderful musical? Yeah. Andrew Garfield. Oh, He was God. robbed at the Oscars. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> but anyways, that's not our topic. Um, what I was talking that's about. That's really what you wanted to talk about. Yeah. You I wanted just... to bring it all back to Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Which I am here for. Okay. I'm like, how do I make a show about local mm-hmm. art about Andrew, Andrew Garfield? Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically, so um, for those who might not know, Jonathan Larson um, worked a lot with Stephen Soundheim, who is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful composer. And he unfortunately passed away recently. But so basically... Like the most famous of all time. Yes, composer, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, so when they were working together, um, basically they apparently had this conversation where, you know, what makes a show good, mm. right? Is it the music? Is mm. it the script? Is it the actors? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. What what will I make that will make people remember mm-hmm. about this thing that I created? Mm-hmm. And then they were like, well, if you leave the theater and people are talking about the show or yeah. they're talking about you, I consider that a good show, even if they're talking about how bad it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> That reminded me of, you know, what you said. And so yeah. I just wanted to no, 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 no. Give that, a that, mention. <laughs> and those two people were incredibly successful. Exactly. Art, um, yeah, art makers. And so I think that is great advice for, like, anyone making art. Yeah. It's like people don't remember what happened, what people did, what people said, but they remember the feeling, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, like, for example, Rent is – it's, you know – Ever since it opened, it's been talk- been talking. People have been talking about it. People yeah. have been putting it on, and all not all of these conversations are positive. You know, some people bash on it. Me being one of those people, yeah. I don't like rent. <laughs> but, <Not like either. laughs> but some people love it, yeah. and it's like a masterpiece in their minds, and yeah. they talk about it and. You know, with that, Jonathan Larson is still, you know, he's being mentioned even though he passed away a long time ago and his work is still being talked about. And, you know, even though you might not think Rent is good, like as a play, as a musical, you it's still like it was done good that yeah people are still talking about it and performing it you and know? you and you can also appreciate the influence that it had like exactly a young lin-manuel miranda was so inspired by that and like yeah. then the art that came out of that too right yeah like it was incredibly influential for its time um and so also like recognizing that too exactly yeah yeah well Without little <laughs> little rant, uh, Wait, but are, we're still going to talk more about Andrew Garfield, right? Oh my God, I could talk about him for hours. <laughs> Catch me just getting a show on CIT yeah, about, Andrew, about Garfield. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> I think a lot of women would tune in for that. <laughs> I would. I'd call in. I'd be oh my call God. <laughs> Wait, are we doing? I think we're doing this, right? I'm gonna, we I'm gonna let Jasper know. Like, this is a Hello? new show we're doing. <laughs> yeah, and then we don't need to talk about, you know, him. We can talk about his work and make it relevant. Yeah, or Hell we can yeah. just talk about. It. Anyways, that's enough intro. Garfield the, how for the today. world began. How the world began is what we were talking about. It was a great show, and although you can't go see it anymore. You can go to future Pacific Theater shows. And exactly. Future shows directed by Sarah Rogers and future shows starring Evan Rain and future shows starring Jean. Jean. Ron- no, sorry. His <laughs> character's name was Jean. Ron oh, Reed. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, talking about Pacific Theater, um, now playing is Mount- The Mountaintop. Uh, it is on until, well, it's not currently playing. It will be playing, basically. So May 20th to June 11th. Uh, let's quickly mention, April 3rd, 1968, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. retires to the Lorraine Motel, desperate for a pack of smokes and a good night's sleep after exhorting America to, quote, be true to what you said on paper, unquote. 
Enter Kamei, an enigmatic hotel maid with a great deal of information about Dr. King's future and the future of the movement that he champions. And this was The Mountaintop by Katori Hall, which is being directed by Omar Newton. So even if you weren't able to catch How the World Began, you can catch The Mountaintop at yes, Pacific Theater. Please. You can do. And it really yeah. is such a beautiful space. It is. It really oh is. Oh, my God. It's and so they, they do they do the most with that space. Yeah. And it's yeah. also really easy to get to. Which is very accessible. Plus. Yeah, yeah. I actually went. My grandmother was at the same show. Like, yeah, because it was. I went to it last minute, so she was just going by herself, and it was very accessible for her. She has a walker. Wonderful. They were very helpful. So that's good to know. Very accessible. Yeah. Yeah, they have a lot of stairs there, so I'm. She glad could, yeah, that. she sat at the top. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. yeah, just go to pacifictheater.org. And you'll get so much org. more information. Yes, it's org. <laughs> I, I almost said I've com. never heard you enunciate anything more <laughs> than you just enunciated org. I, I almost <laughs> said dot com and I was like, nope, org. Oh, your brain was really yeah. trying to backtrack. Okay, yeah, that's why, yeah. <laughs> org. <laughs> but yeah, with that, <laughs> that's all from us today here at the Arts Report. Thank da, you. Da, 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 da. Uh, that should be our theme song, like a really... We already have a theme song. <laughs> okay, well, it should, we should replace um, it with my voice, no background music. Okay. Da, 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 you, da, da, you do that while I int- uh, while you fade do out? the outro. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this has been the Arts Report on CITR 101.9. Arts Report on so much. I thought you were going to sing. No. I'm doing it like right after you just to throw you off. I'm going to turn your microphone off. <laughs> um, uh, if you tune in next week you'll hear this wonderful show being rebroadcasted and yeah. then we're gonna have a live show on May 11th wait people are gonna have to listen to this again well they don't have to but they can listen no, to I, it no but I just mean sorry I just mean like the da, 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 like all yes. the things I yes <laughs> yeah okay cool cool, cool think cool, about cool. what you do on live yeah. radio movie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we have... They get to listen to it again. <laughs> Good for them. Hell yeah. We have uh interview and more reviews coming up next week. So uh, tune in on May 11th at 5 p.m. And yeah, that is all. Uh, until then, um, have a lovely two weeks, I guess. Yeah, enjoy. Bye. Start living. Start listening. From features through music to news. Reflecting your views, this is CITR 101.9 FM broadcasting live from Vancouver, UBC. Accelerated program. Accelerated programming since 1937. Shiver in plastic bags. Stuck on the handlebars of my new life Everyone's got a different way to say it But it's a lonely time to be alive Even when I was strong and stable I keep a line that'll hold you I wasn't there to meet you at the table And you would call me up at 905 Say it in